Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Last year, about this time, I was in the tail end, and I've talked about this before, I was in the tail end of a 40-week course of study through the Emerson Theological Institute. The class was called, and I like to make fun of this, it was called Advanced Consciousness Studies. <laughs> I think any study of consciousness is going to be advanced if we're really, really diving into it. So it's kind of a funny name, Advanced Consciousness Studies. Through the course, we talked a lot about the integration of science and spirituality, the principles we teach here in, in Unity and the New Thought Movement, and um, how they really are being proven through things like quantum science, quantum physics, the, you know, looking at the quantum aspect of things, and really seeing... There is no difference. You know, my original path, as many of you know, was in uh, the religious science side of the New Thought Movement. And the first line of the chapter, or, or the first line of the book that is the dominant uh, text for that branch of the philosophy says, we all look forward to the day when science and religion shall walk hand in hand from the visible to the invisible. I think we're finding that. The more we delve into this, the more we find the spirit at the source of all science. And I'm grateful for that. I am so grateful for that. So in this course of study throughout those 40 weeks, the one thing that I came up with that felt very good was to redefine my understanding of God because God has gone from being, in the days before I was involved in this philosophy, that judgmental thing out there, turning into, ready, that judgmental thing in here, <laughs> to letting go of the judgment and finding that it was pure love, and deepening into this understanding during those 40 weeks, God is a feeling tone. It's a feeling tone. How do I know that God exists? I feel it. I feel it. So that's how I've recently come to define God, and it is songs like that that help me deepen into that feeling tone to recognize the truth of my being and to truly understand it when I look at the faces of every single person I encounter. That irrespective of all the stuff we layer over ourselves, that at the core is God. Pure love. That feeling tone. On Monday, this past Monday, there was a rental in this space. And I didn't really think much of it. It was a, you know, somebody renting the space for their own purposes. And had I really thought it through, I would have let you know that it was happening, but I didn't let you know. And I apologize for that. Um, because I think that it would have been of great interest to this community. The person who was here giving a full day workshop was Neil Donald Walsh. 
who wrote Conversations with God. And it was a del- I have to tell you, it was delightful for me especially because when he was not on stage, he and I were back in my office having a grand old time talking about things. Um, I have to tell you, he is very funny. Oh my gosh, what a riot. What a riot. And such a delight to have him and to just like talk about all things God and spirit and, and all that. He also, uh, he also found out that I was a former actor before I became a minister. And he said, well, I was an actor too. And then you know what he does? He, start, he launches in to singing, You Got Trouble from The Music Man. He basically does, you got trouble in its entirety, standing in my office, and he could give Robert Preston a run for his money. He was exquisitely good. I mean, it was so good. But throughout the discussions, um, he and I getting to know each other a little bit better, he then brings that to the stage. And if you were here, because I know there are a couple people who were here. Yes, Jason was here. Um, and, and Greg and Marsha were here too, right? Yes, yes. Um, He offered up a challenge. Do you remember the challenge? He offered up a challenge to me. They don't remember. That's okay, because I'm going to tell you what the challenge is. He offered up a challenge for a topic to offer on Sunday. And this is where I say we're going to push some buttons. One third of our mission statement here at Unity of Tucson is forgive everything. And he said, here's your challenge. Speak to this idea. Forgiveness is the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth. Forgiveness is the biggest obstacle of spiritual growth. And I'm sitting back there in the corner and I'm thinking, okay, okay, not sure what we're going to do with this, but I hear it. And then at the lunch break, we went back into my office and I said, if you think I'm not going to give this talk on Sunday, tune in. Hi, Neil. So yes, our mission statement here is love only, forgive everything, remember who you are. And it's not lost on me that the aspect of our mission statement that I tend to to talk about the least is forgive everything. You hear me all the time, love only, love only, love only, love only. Remember who you are, remember who you are, remember who you are. And I don't often talk about forgive everything. And I'll tell you why. In this forum from here, it's a lot harder to have the discussion. Forgive everything requires a lot more discussion, frankly, than being a presentational Uh, minister on a Sunday offers, because I want to have the feedback. I want to chew into that. I want us to understand more deeply what it is to forgive everything, because here's the thing that I have come to. Forgiveness being the biggest obstacle to spiritual growth means forgive everything. That's what it really means, but we're going to redefine forgiveness a little bit. Um, Here's a realization. When we love only and we remember who we are, what is there to forgive? What is there to forgive when we love only and remember who we are? If I'm rooted in knowing who I am, and I am approaching life and expressing life from the point of view of pure love, then there is nothing to forgive or be forgiven for, because my activity in the world can only be from that highest point of view. 
Now, there are different ways of forgiving. One of the ways that we forgive is to forgive others, right? Oh, it is such a glorious thing to forgive others. The only thing about forgiving others is that we have to assume that we have been slighted or disrespected in some manner in order to be put into the place of needing to forgive others. What if? What if we realize that we can only require forgiving others when we find ourselves having been taken? When, no, when we find ourselves having taken what it is they offered in the first place. We have to take it in as, having being, as being disrespectful to be put into a place where we have to forgive. So I watched a video this week. When the glasses come off, you know that it's going to be something. <laughs> I watched a video this week, as I am wont to do on occasion, through that miraculous social media source called TikTok. And a video that came across my TikTok feed was a famous actress who, who I cannot remember now. But it's a, an actress whose original language is not English. Her original language is Spanish. And she said in this video, imagine that I say something offensive to you in Spanish, and you don't speak Spanish, so you cannot understand what I'm saying. How can you be offended? How can you be offended? She did go on to say, because I said this to my sister earlier this week, and she said, well, maybe there's something in the tone. She did talk about tone. She said, perhaps the tone of what I am saying would suggest something to you, but oftentimes, if I am speaking in a particular tone in my original language, some people laugh because they don't understand. So the only way that we can be offended is if we accept it. Let that be a lesson to each and every one of us that irrespective of the language that is being spoken, if someone says something disrespectful to you, the only way that it can affect you is if you accept it from them. Do not accept what they are offering. And you cannot be disrespected. You cannot be offended. And so in that, there's nothing to forgive. Another way that we engage in the practice of forgiveness, and we teach the practice of forgiveness here, is to forgive the self. Because all forgiveness ultimately is self-forgiveness, right? We say that all the time. All forgiveness is self-forgiveness. Um, and that can only become necessary when we don't remember who we are. That's it. If we remember who we are, then there's nothing ever to, ever to forgive. If we forget who we are, we can miss the mark in the expression of our lives, those things that show up. And we call them sin. Sin is not something out there. Sin is basically an erroneous idea that is showing itself in our experience. So when we make a mistake, miss the mark, we call that sin in this philosophy, and that only flows forth as something that needs to be forgiven when we forget who we are. If we forget who we are, we can act in unloving ways. And I have been guilty of this. The minister acting in unloving ways? Yes, it has happened in my life once or twice. 
when we forget who we are, what we tend to do is to make up stories to fill the gaps. In the absence of information, we make up stories because as Aristotle said, nature abhors a vacuum. So when we don't know who we are, we make up stories about who we are. And those stories are often relating ourselves to the things out there, causing a deeper divide and a separation in mind. That separation in mind is the thing that causes discord in our lives. All forgiveness is rooted in need. What if we didn't need anything? What if we truly deepened into the understanding that we don't need anything out there? That all that is required for the most magnificent expression of our life is right here. Because I'm going to call him Neil because we're on a first name basis now. Because <laughs> Neil said this, God doesn't need to forgive because God doesn't need anything. And so if we understand ourselves as that power, as that presence, as that love, as that light, as we understand that that is our identity, if God is our core identity, then why do we think we need anything? We have everything we require in knowing who we are. Why doesn't God need anything? Because God is everything. And knowing who we are aligns us with knowing that we are everything at the level of our expression of it. And that's okay, because we're constantly growing through this experience. Now, how do we reconcile this idea of God being the core identity of every single one of us? How do we reconcile the needs we think we have? Because we are taught to need. Anyone here ever taught that you don't need anything? Yeah, I didn't think I was going to see any hands. We are taught to need because we are taught that we are less than. We are taught to define ourselves by our limitations. So I invite you all to think about where in your life this has happened to you. Imagine that you had a bad experience. Anyone ever have a bad experience? And the experience, being good or bad, is your definition. Let's be really clear. That is your definition of the experience, whether it is good or bad. But imagine that you had a bad experience in something that you tried. What is the likelihood that you will try it again? It's pretty low, I would imagine. We internalize defeating thoughts and habits all the time. We, we internalize those things, telling, us, telling ourselves, that's just who I am. It's just the way it is. Why? It doesn't have to be. Here's the thing. When we internalize those things and we say, it's just who I am, it's just the way it is, you might as well end that sentence by saying, and so it is, amen. <laughs> because you have now set the tone for your life. To say, it's just who I am, that's a statement of disbelief an alignment with the form of things. That alignment with the form of things. Just no. No. 
deepen into the recognition, the realization of who you are. That is what Jesus taught. Jesus taught, I and the Father are one. And he was not excluding himself or setting himself apart. He was expressing this as the truth of all that is, of all humanity, to know that we are this power, we are this presence. We should all be out there saying, God is my core identity, because that's what that means. The Father and I are one. God is my core identity. I say it all the time, and I see it in the faces of every single person I encounter. So the thing that we need to then turn around is to remember that if we align ourselves with a form, then we have eliminated faith from our lives. Form follows faith. So know who you are, and the form will follow. Disbelief dictates the quality of the demonstration in our lives. Now, demonstration is the flow of things happening in our experience. Charles Fillmore explained it like this. Demonstration is the proving of a truth principle in one's body or affairs. It is the expression. That's what demonstration is. So disbelief dictates the quality of the demonstration. Faith fosters the quality of the form. And so if you are looking to enhance the form, enhance the faith. In what way might we develop our faith? I have an answer for that because I have an answer for everything. (laughs) Infinite love. Infinite love. The way we might develop our faith is to recognize ourselves as pure, infinite love, for that is the wholeness of God. That must be the wholeness of us. Infinite love doesn't require forgiveness, for what is there to forgive when we love unconditionally? If we release the conditions we place upon love and the expression and the experience of love, what we find is there's one thing left, Love only. And what is there to forgive when we love unconditionally? Now, I imagine there's that little part of your voice in the back of your mind going, yeah, but, yeah, but. Because we can find all the excuses in the world. We can find all the evidence in the world of form to counter what it is I am offering here today. And I am inviting each and every one of us to stop looking at the form for the evidence, to find the evidence right here at the core of our being. If we announce that someone, even ourselves, requires forgiveness, we have fundamentally forgotten who they are and who we are. What if I need nothing from you in order to love you? What if I need nothing from you in order to love you? I love that meme that goes around where it says, I love you. And then it's countered with, you don't even know me. How could you possibly love me? And then it's followed up with, well, if there are many people out there who can hate you without knowing you, I don't see why I can't love you without knowing you. (laughs) What if I need nothing? from you in order to love you? What if I need nothing from me in order to love me? We make our love conditioned upon need. 
let it go. Because the concept of need is the result of a mind that aligns itself with limitations. When we define ourselves by our limitations, the practice of forgiveness then becomes necessary. The practice, the event, the experience, it becomes form-based. And becoming form-based requires aligning ourselves with the least of us. Know that you are more than that. Stop worrying about what to think and start focusing on the quality of your thoughts and enhancing the way in which you think, enhancing the how you think, because that is when your life changes. How do we move past this? Mastermind understanding. That's how we do it. Neil said this, understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. Understanding replaces forgiveness in the mind of the master. We are all masters. Are you ready to accept that today? That you are the master of your mind. You are the master of your spiritual expression on this plane of action. We are the masters of our expression and experience. We are the masters of our internal inner life. And as we master that understanding, as we remember who we are, understanding replaces forgiveness. So our work is perhaps to step away from the assumptions that we make and step into working toward understanding more resolutely today than ever before. What if we stopped saying, you made your bed, now lie in it, and started saying, you made your bed, but you know what? You can always tear those sheets off and remake the bed. That's akin to saying, that's akin to changing, I forgive you to this, I love you no matter what. I love you no matter what. That is the work of the mind of a master. Simple, simple concept. You know what I'm going to say next? Not always easy. Because we've had a lifetime of different thinking, and that may not change in a 20-minute experience on a Sunday morning. But you can plant the seed right here and right now to grow something new in your life. The seed is the catalyst for something to expand and to bloom. A capacity can grow within each and every one of us to reframe the stories that we carry with us that fill in those gaps and lead us down the path of forgetting who we are. Planting that seed allows us to do what today's featured song offers. Love, cover me. Light any darkness. Right every wrong. Cause me to see love over hatred. Guide me to be faithful and strong. Love, cover me. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent.
Did I push some buttons? Of course, I thought, well, we've put all this marketing out now that says forgive everything. Now I'm like, do we have to change all that? (laughs) So the homework this week is this. I would love for us to look at areas of our life. So I'm going to invite you. Look at some area of your life where you think you would do well to forgive. Reframe the story around that experience that you have told yourself. Let go of the limitation. Remember who you are and love only, no matter what. And see what happens this week. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.